This is episode 22 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is Dr. Zach Long, a board-certified sports specialist and the creator of the industry-leading fitness website, The Barbell Physio. Let's get it started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people from all across the globe, from all walks of life, but all really have that fire in their belly to do a little bit more. Uh, Maybe that's a a new career they're seeking out, or they want to start a business, or maybe they want to get in the best shape of their life because they're just kind of sick of how they've been for the last 10 years. Um, and it could be a side hustle, maybe something new. They're still in the career that you know they've got into or been into for a while, but they want to try something a little different, gain a little bit of knowledge or meet new people or whatever it may be. So the goal with this podcast is to introduce you to a lot of individuals that are doing a variety of things, right? Some very early on in their journey, others a lot further along and have more experience. But Either way, you'll gather a lot of uh, practical knowledge, um, some philosophical insight, um, some great stories and quotes along the way. But you know, little nuggets that you can take with you. Kind of think of them as like like the breadcrumbs to help you out in your own journey. In um, in each episode, I hope you take away a couple different ones that that could help you out um, in your own way. And on this particular episode, you know, we're going to talk with Dr. Zach Long, who's a, a board. Um, certified sports specialist and and getting a lot around fitness and physical therapy and those type of things. But, you know, I thought it made sense maybe to share a a little extra story. Uh, I think some of you maybe, especially if you've been listening all along, have, you know, kind of heard how I got into, you know, just get started, why that all began about me wanting to do a podcast. But, you know, one of the encouragements I'll have for everyone, and this is something, again, um, I was actually on a, a podcast myself recently, and, you know, we talked about, you know, where I wasted my 20s, I felt. And not really like, you know, I, you know, I started a family and, you know, and those type of things and um, had some good things happen. But when I say I wasted, what I mean by that is, you know, I used to sit around and watch eight hours of football on Sunday. And I used to watch a lot of TV. And, and again, nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. But what I had realized, um, especially here in my early 30s, um, as I start tipping to the, the other side of 30, um, is really around, you know, where could I spend additional energy and time and acquire more skills, more knowledge, more insight? One of those areas for me was fitness, where I had been working out pretty consistently for you know, really since, since college. And, you know, you had your up and downs. I, I did a variety of different stuff. Sometimes it was more cardio focused, sometimes more strength. Um, I got in uh, very big with Beachbody. Um, if anyone knows Beachbody.com, um, phenomenal workouts, and I really actually recommend them, especially folks that are maybe trying to get back into fitness or you know maybe not in the best shape but want to start something uh, because they give you a lot of opportunity to do that at your house. But I did Beachbody for um, a- actually you know kind of started back so um, for my wedding. I decided to go through P90X. If you guys remember all the way back, P90X, long videos, um, but really cool stuff. And it's progressed to doing a variety of different stuff. You know, I used to do P90X3 a lot um, recently in the last year or two. But I made a commitment because I said, you know, I was looking at, okay, where where am I at fitness-wise, strength-wise, you know, with my nutrition? And I, I kind of had a, a pause um, 
at the end of last year. And I said, there's got to be something else out there that I, you know, I had a goal of gaining 10 pounds of muscle. So instead of just sitting and saying, ah, I'll just keep doing beach body, I went and, and sought out additional information and insight. Now, fortunately, I already been pushed into CrossFit, push, quote unquote, but like people were telling me, hey, Brian, you should do CrossFit. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, and then happened to have a neighbor that was doing it at a local gym here. So I, I, you know, audited a class with him in late December and just fell in love with it. I said, oh, this is really neat. I like the group classes. I like the structure. Um, I like where I don't have to think. I go there. I work my tail off for, you know, an hour. So I started up. It's been, as I'm recording this, it's been about six months, a shade over six months now um, that I've been doing it. And the reason I'm sharing this story is that, you know, the whole just get started you know, movement that I'm kind of doing here, it's not just one thing like, oh, okay, I, I decided to do that and, and that's it. It's always about trying to acquire new knowledge and information and seeing if you can push yourself outside your comfort zone uh, because that's where change happens is outside your comfort zone. And one of those things for me, CrossFit was a new opportunity to say, okay, what could that, you know, where can I take my fitness to? Um, and the amount of gains that I had, now I've committed to it. I go four to six days a week, depending on the week. But I had one goal again to be, you know, 10 pounds of muscle um, was my goal to gain at the end of this year. And part of that discovery came not only from CrossFit, right? So, hey, I'm doing a lot of these new movements. I'm gaining a lot of strength. But about three months ago, um, actually probably even less, is I went and sought out a nutritionist because I said, I don't feel I'm getting the gains and I don't feel I have the energy. Like at the end of the day, I am just crushed before I get into a workout just from using my standing desk and doing that different stuff. So I actually went and um, I went and uh, talked to a nutritionist. And what I realized was, one, I'm not nearly eating the amount of calories I need to to gain weight and to gain you know muscle mass. And two, I wasn't nearly eating, like I wouldn't eat protein until I got to after lunchtime. Um, not good. And what that was doing for me was, again, it was my energy levels were so low. Well, once I talked to the nutritionist and I got some other guidance for, from some of the folks at the uh, CrossFit gym, um, you know, some of the certified trainers there, and I started tracking now for the last about month and a half, I've been tracking my calories each day. Again, as you can see, the reason I'm telling this story is this is not me getting on the soapbox, but is how you can progress or how you can figure out, okay, I want to improve my fitness. It wasn't just, okay, I'm going to start CrossFit. Then it was, okay how much am I going to CrossFit? And then it was, okay, how do I, well, my energy's not there. Okay, what else is it? Okay, let's start figuring out, oh, you know what? It's probably my nutrition. Let's go there. And now it's not just, okay, I got to eat better. Is I got to track and see what I'm eating so that I actually have an understanding and I could see where the gains are and see the correlation. So as everyone, you know, if you listen to some of the past podcasts, you know, I'm really big on these principles, right? What are these patterns that you see and then how do you adjust to them? Um, and that could also go with, you know, certain types of um, uh, strength uh, you have, like you have better movements than others or where your flexibility is, et cetera. Anyways, so with the nutrition, I mean, I'm eating, if you guys can imagine, like I'm eating probably 1,500 calories before lunch, um, which is probably what I was eating most days. And I'm putting a lot of protein, especially earlier on in the day. But I'll tell you what now, my workouts, I absolutely can annihilate them. And I have so much energy in them. And it's just unbelievable. So now I'm putting up more weight. I'm able to finish workouts quicker. 
Um, I'm able to, to compete a little bit more there than I had in the past. And, and altogether, this discovery phase with CrossFit um, has led to where I am here, where you know I feel I got the nutrition down, um, and I'm still tweaking it here and there, but I feel like you know I'm, I'm now comfortable with a lot of the movements, learning over the last six months, and now I can really you know kind of see almost that hockey stick growth I feel over the next three to six months. So the reason I'm telling that story here, and, and I'm probably going a little long-winded, but is you know think of your own life and the things you're doing and and where could you improve where's that that little inch you know that little movement um it doesn't have to be huge it's just that little thing that you could change or adjust and ultimately that could take you maybe to another uh, you know another pedestal um you know or another level so to speak in whatever particular thing you're doing or it might be something new as i was saying like nutrition that i hadn't thought about initially that ultimately can change the course of things for you so anyways, that's my encouragement um, because I think, again, fitness is so huge, not just for quality of life of like, hey, I can you know play with my kids and stuff, but also for work. I found that the more in shape I am, the more energy I have, um, the better quality days I put in at work. Um, I have more energy when I you know talk with uh, potential prospects or, or potential clients, and it's just a, a renewed sense each and every day, something I didn't have in the past and, and wonder why. Well, a lot of it because the fitness I was doing, but also the nutrition on top of it. So with that being said, that's a long but great transition into my guest today. Uh, my guest is Dr. Zach Long. So he's a board certified sports specialist. And he also started a website um, called The Barbell Physio, which is one of the industry-leading fitness websites out there. And when I tell you there's a tremendous amount of knowledge on it, I, I absolutely go rec- recommend you guys check it out. There's so much great stuff um, you know, that he's putting out there. It has some great um, social channels like Instagram. If you, you know, and he says it here in the podcast, but just to allude to it, right, you're going to get some great snippets, videos, some mobility training, stuff like that on Instagram. But if you want deeper insight and you want to be able to go and progress, um, you're going to want to go to his website and check out some of that information there. So we get into a variety of topics on here. As usual, right, we talk about some different things about how he got into um, physical therapy. Um, we also talk about some random topics around that, some myth. You know, he busts um, as well on here and stuff. So it's a really cool episode, and uh, I was fortunate to get a chance to speak with him. I reached out to him randomly after I saw a lot of his uh, content online, and I was very, uh, very pleased that, you know, he took the time out of day to uh, to chat with me because I like the science, especially around fitness. So I definitely wanted to pick his brain on a few different topics. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this uh, this unique episode. Again, this is the only the second fitness professional I've had on here and the first doctor. Um, so this is kind of cool. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview today with Dr. Zach Long. Let's get it started. Second afternoon. Thanks for uh, joining the podcast. Oh, man. Couldn't say no to a, uh, to a podcast name. Just get started. And there's too many people that are scared <laughs> to ever take that first step, and they just want to sit around and talk about it. So I just love your name already. No, man, I appreciate that. That's awesome, and uh, glad to have you on. And I definitely want to pick your brain on a variety of stuff, especially since I'm personally big into into fitness and CrossFit and those type of things. So I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective and maybe give some guidance because because fitness is such a huge part um, of day to day life, and obviously helps help people with their business and and other stuff as well. Um, but I, I do always like to take a step back. You know, 
what's interesting, I'm always intrigued by what people are doing as a living and what they choose for their career and, and how they got started with that initially. So if you don't mind, can, can you take, you know, take us all back terms, I guess where it all started for you, maybe around your childhood, adolescence, like what, what was up, upbringing like? How did you, you know, were you always involved like fitness? Was that always around you or was that something that came about later? I'm just kind of curious to start there and then that'll kind of give us some tangents to go on as we, as we talk, keep talking. Yes. So um, my dad was my high school football coach and probably the biggest influence on my life that, that I've had probably will ever have. And, um, you know, growing up, I was a really, really small kid. So when I finally got to where he got me in the weight room and I started to build confidence and put some size on, um, I just fell in love with the weight room, love the weight room more than anything else. My dad used to always say this quote to me, don't ask yourself what the world needs, ask yourself what makes you come alive. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive, people who love what they're doing. And so from that advice that he just hammered in my head over and over and over, I actually went to school at University of North Carolina, and I spent two years working with their football team in the strength and conditioning department because I thought going down the strength and conditioning route was, was what I was going to you know, really want to do long term. So I spent two great years doing that, but just never felt like it, it kind of closed the circle for me. And I just felt like there was not everything that I wanted to do there. Um, and I ended up getting another job, uh, just working as a, a tech at a physical therapy place in, in um, Chapel Hill and immediately fell in love with it. First day in there working as a tech, I kind of knew that physical therapy is where I wanted to go. And have been just really fortunate enough to, to get into the point in my career where I've been able to combine those two things that I love to where I think I have the greatest job in the world now. Yeah, that's pre- I mean, that's pretty neat. And what about, I mean, in terms of like, you know, from a schooling standpoint, I mean, obviously, did, did you go all throughout in terms of um, from, from uh, was it medical school you went to and, and what have you? Was that all together? Was that after like you took a break? How did that, how did that all kind of shake out? So, yeah, did my four-year undergrad degree in exercise and sports science. And then a week later, I started my uh, doctorate in physical therapy at East Carolina University. So back to back, seven years of uh, college, essentially. So what, you know, I, I'm curious more just pick your brain, because I only went, to, I made it through four somehow. Um, talk, can you talk me through, were there certain things that were helpful for you, especially folks that, gosh, maybe they're in college now or they're going back for a second career or whatever. Were there certain things that helped you get through those seven years? Um, I don't know if it was maybe some time management skills or anything around like how you manage your day to, to be able to juggle a lot of stuff. Um, I'm just curious to hear if there was anything in particular that stood out to you. Um, not in college, to be honest. I, I wasn't the hardest working college student you, you would have ever met. Um, I didn't have the greatest GPA. I, I mean, I kind of barely made it into physical therapy school based on what my GPA was. Um, don't get me wrong, I wasn't a bad student, but I wasn't working as hard as I should. And even in physical therapy school, I was somebody that, that just put forth the, the um, super great effort in the courses that I was most interested in. And those that I weren't very interested in, I didn't work very hard. I'm not the best role model there. I'd say now I have developed a lot of time management skills because I, um, I'm a practicing physical therapist 30, uh, about 40 hours a week. So I treat 33 hours a week of patients and then documentation on top of that plus some other uh, roles I have. Has me still working full time. I run my website, which is a fairly large undertaking right now, and then I travel and teach seminars all over the country. Um, so now I'm very big on time management, and it basically just comes down to putting as many systems in place as I possibly can and delegating and being willing to give some stuff up. Like I have a, 
a guy that handles all the tech stuff on the website. For years, I was doing that, and I just realized that I was wasting 10 or 15 hours a week on that, and then I'd be much better off paying somebody uh, money to take care of that. Um, spend the time, like if I'm shooting my videos, I put a lot of videos out on, on social media, YouTube, Instagram. It's, you know, go in the garage and shoot videos nonstop for an hour. I'll end up being, you know, drenched with sweat. But I get it all done really, really fast rather than every single day going out and shooting one video a day to post online. It's kind of batching stuff as best as I can. Um, if you're looking at my, my computer desktop, I've got like folders of information where I get asked the same questions over and over. So I just have these automatic replies written out that I can copy and paste. Anything that I can do to save myself a minute right now is great because my wife really won't let me work any more than I already work. So I got to learn to cut back. And, and honestly, I've also had to really learn how to say no to things. That's an important skill that a lot of people um, don't develop. You got to figure out what's actually going to help you reach your goals versus what's just a cool opportunity for right now. So I'm saying no to a lot more no, stuff. No. Yeah, I, no, that's actually really interesting. The, the batching is something I've heard before, so it's, it's cool that you're doing that. And, and I think it also goes to show with a lot of folks, because I actually do that a little bit at work as well, where you have to give yourself some breaks every now and then. So if you can batch an hour, 90 minutes, and then give yourself a 10 or 15 minute break to almost recharge yourself, and then you can go back at it again, that, you know, that's really helpful. So I'm glad you're, uh, you're doing that. Um, I'm, I'm curious, when did – so you finish, you finish school. What, what was the – I guess the, the delta between that and, you know, starting the website, Barbell Physio website, um, was that right away or did that take a few years or you, did you build up the business before that? Or tell us a little bit about, you know, the time between there. So I started the website when I was in physical therapy school in my last semester. And I really just did that as, as a place to put my thoughts down as a way to hold myself accountable to stay on top of the latest research and the latest things going on in the field. But I didn't do anything to promote it. I mean, it was really it was like a silent blog that nobody knew about, and, and I was fine with that for the time being. And then, um, then I rebranded it to the Barbell Physio from a name that wasn't near as good. Um, and around that time, I switched jobs. And um, in switching jobs, long story short, I, I went about four months without having any income in that switch. Um, and I, I basically that was only two years out from school, so I didn't have much of a savings. So I you know, ran all my money out and ended up having to take my piggy bank to the coin star to, you know, pay for my groceries for the week. I was, I was dead broke. And um, I kind of knew I had these skill sets that, that certain people wanted to learn about. And I approached some things just different enough from some other people out in the industry that I knew that, that I could put that information out through social media and, and develop a following and use that as, a, as another stream of revenue while providing good information to people. And so I just started consistently posting on social media for a while, building up an audience and, and a you know, good number of followers that follow my information. And based on you know, the, the things that I saw that, that they needed help with and the feedback I got from individuals, I started building out products using my knowledge base to address their needs. So I just started with giving to the community consistently, giving them free content, and then developing that into more extensive uh, products that, that further met their needs. I'm, I'm really glad you said that. And you, you, were the, you used the word free because I think a lot of times, like I hear folks asking, hey, Brian, you know, yeah, I want to, you know, how do I monetize this or I want to get this started? It's like, hey, you got to put out some free stuff, like give back a little bit, especially early on. And then ultimately, hey, if you're good enough, that the talent wins out and, and people are going to want to 
you know, either pay for it or bring you on. Is that the same with your, and it may be different, but with your, um, you said you go around and do seminars and speak and stuff. Is that the yeah. same way? I and mean, you may not get compensated for that. I'm not sure, but is that the same way where you kind of start off like, Hey, I'll do some of these seminars. I'll do different stuff. And then eventually that kind of just people saw how good you were maybe and said, all right, I'm going to keep asking him. Is that similar? Or? So uh, that, that that's similar. I don't do a whole lot of free speaking. I mean, I'll do it at some like local physical therapy events or local CrossFit gyms, but I don't travel significantly to do free events. I consider the website and the information I'm putting out there still to be part of that free stuff. But I think just in general, people got to look at that as, Look, if, if you're at a bar, you see a pretty girl, you don't walk up to her and say, hey, you want to get married? You know, you strike up a conversation with her, you ask her, you know, maybe to go out to dinner or something like that. You take the time to slowly build a relationship. And that's kind of what, what business is more of. It's not always going in and saying, give me money right now. It's giving a little bit away, spending a little bit of time developing relationships so that you can see if you're a good fit for your ideal customer. The uh, the last last point on that was there any do you remember that time back when you started to put the content out were there were did you ever second guess yourself like you know you maybe you knew the answers but like hey do I really want to push this out to the world and was there any um, fear there or was it pretty like hey you know what I'm gonna do this is something I I want to get out there I, I want to be known for this stuff what was the do you remember the mindset at that time. Initially, I didn't have any fear. Um, something a lot of people talk about is imposter syndrome, where as you develop a following and people start listening to you, you start to doubt your own skills. And, and that certainly does happen at times, but it's not been something that ever um, overcame me. Like I've, I've heard from some other individuals that started to do this. Um, the, the one time that sticks out to me where I did have fear and, and did doubt myself is I put an article out a couple of years ago. Actually, I wrote it. I didn't publish it on um, – so when weightlifters squat, their knees tend to come inside of their ankles. It's what we call knee valgus. And a lot of people teach against having this knee valgus when you squat, but it consistently happens in elite weightlifters. So I wrote an article out there on my thoughts about why it happens and why I believe it's actually a little bit of a performance benefit. And I wrote it. I had a friend of mine read it until he told me that, you know, I made some great points and he agreed with me. But it was a really hot and, and to me, really controversial topic. So I was nervous about pulling the trigger on it. And I actually wrote it and sat on it for like two or three months, which is pretty rare for me. Typically, if I'm going to write an article, I'm going to publish it within a month um, or the next week. So for me to sit on any article is, is weird. But then I went on to uh, a guy named Travis Mash. He's a great Olympic weightlifting coach. I went on his podcast, and he asked me the question about that. And, and I laughed as soon as he asked me about it because I knew, like, you know, I was going to give my answer on this podcast, and that meant I might as well put that article out. And so I put it out, and, you know, I definitely got a little bit of negative feedback. But for the most part, people who took the time to read it with an open mind didn't have a problem. So um, that's the only time where I really had any fear. And if I could go back, I probably would have uh, manned up a little bit earlier and posted it earlier. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's actually a great quote. Um, I think it goes along the line, something like, we suffer most often in imagination than in reality. And kind of that point of your – you're thinking of worrying of all this stuff that could happen instead of just going for it, you know. So you kind of learned the lesson there, and I'm glad that, you know, it kind of worked out in your favor. That's actually, I was thinking when you first said that, I'm like, have you been watching my squat? Because I, I, I do that, I think, um, as well. So um, that's actually a good transition maybe in terms, because obviously some of the stuff, I know you, you know, you write in the CrossFit journal and stuff like that. When did you get into CrossFit? Um, what, how long ago was that, did that happen? Um, so coming from the traditional strength and conditioning background, I kind of looked across it 
oh man, probably back in 2009, 2010, I started to become aware of it. Uh, my brother's in the army and I started telling him about it because I looked at it as just, you know, a, a great way to train for somebody that's in the military. Um, and, and I got him doing it, even though I wasn't doing it. And uh, when I graduated from physical therapy school, I joined the gym just to kind of see what it was about. And, um, you know, thought it was pretty cool stuff. Ended up going to another gym that was uh, a really awesome gym and learned a ton from the coaches there as far as the CrossFit methodology um, and started writing for the CrossFit Journal. So I've been uh, associated with CrossFit for the last uh, four years, whether that's as a, a participant in classes, a writer for CrossFit Journal, or as a coach. And my participation in CrossFit is, you know, I, sometimes I do CrossFit, sometimes I focus more on my weightlifting or powerlifting. But uh, it's a pretty cool sport. Some interesting and controversial stuff in it for sure. Yeah, well, you know, I've been doing it for about six months now, and and love every minute of it, and I'm glad I got introduced to it. So um, I, I just was curious your perspective on how you got into it, and and about CrossFit Journal, did, is that something where you asked it in that, or is that something you kind of submitted blindly some articles and got picked up? How, how did that first initiate? So on CrossFit Journal's website, they have a place where you could um, you can submit article proposals, and so in, in physical therapy school, because I'm obsessed with barbell movement. I took a biomechanics class and everybody did, you know, the biomechanics of running or the biomechanics of a, a sit to stand for an elderly person. I did the biomechanics of the snatch, the weightlifting movement, because, you know, all I care about are barbell based movements. And um, so I did this 30 minute presentation on it and I had all the data and knew all the research. And I just said, well, I could really easily take this presentation and turn it to an article. So I submitted that to them and they, they chose to allow me to, uh, to write the article and, I submitted one or two more, and then after, you know, I started to develop that relationship with them, then they started coming to me with different article ideas. Um, hey, we, we feel like there's a gap in this subject. Is there anything that you could potentially write about it? And that just kind of developed into probably having written, you know, 12 to 15 articles at this point. Interesting here, and I'm curious your thought, and, and I'm going to ask you to pick a couple, and I know there's probably 15, but there's really for the folks that are, they want to get into training or fitness or, you know, they may not do CrossFit, they might do something, try some, some different training, but they have not only zero idea what to do, they're not sure, like, how do I optimize this? Is there two to three, maybe kind of, I guess, most important things that you would kind of mention to someone like, hey, stack rank, these are really important you should think about if you're going to get into training, maybe some things you should consider before you get into it. Anything that you can think of that would be helpful for folks out there? My big thing, anytime somebody comes to me asking me what they should do training-wise, is I don't really care if you want to run, if you want to lift barbells, lift kettlebells, do orange theory, whatever. Find something that you love. Because if you're choosing to do an activity that you don't enjoy, you're not going to stick with it. Um, now, if somebody's trying to get into you know, barbell-based movements, then um, – you know, it kind of comes down to what's, what's their general uh, motor control like? Is this somebody that can pick up on things really easily by watching a video? Or is this somebody that needs to go ahead and, and find a qualified personal trainer in their area to help them understand proper form and technique and get set on, on the path to, to good movement? Um, but anytime anybody starts, they need to be aware of two things. Number one, just focus on learning the movements first, because if you learn proper form and, and technique, your ceiling on your development will be higher versus if you start lifting with really ugly technique, you're eventually going to get to a spot where it becomes much harder to progress than it is if you had optimal efficiency in your technique. 
And number two is just understand training volume. There's a ton of research around training volume and, and big spikes in training volume are basically what leads to people being injured. And so a lot of times when somebody starts a new activity like CrossFit, for example, and they fall in love with it, they immediately end up, you know, they go to their, like their CrossFit on-ramp class, which is a class that a lot of people, a lot of um, gyms use to get new CrossFitters started in that methodology. And they'll immediately go from that on-ramp class where they're doing three days a week to jumping full steam in and going six days a week. And they just end up doing a lot more volume than their body was ready for. And that leads to uh, little injuries happening when you do so much that your body wasn't prepared for that it kind of can't keep up with that recovery. So do something that you love, figure out what proper form and technique is, hold off intensity until your mechanics are, are consistently good, and then be cautious with, you know, overdoing your volume. Um, I, I'm going to put you on the spot with this one to pull, to pull something out of the rabbit hat here, a, a thought of, so like I have a, um, I have a lot of back issues runs in my family. Fortunately, I don't have as many as some of my family members, but um but in terms of that part, lower back, even hamstring, most of the people I bet listening to this probably sit eight hours a day. Maybe they're doing this as they're listening, I'm hoping. Is, is there a, a tip or a stretch or something you would give them to say you need to be doing, if you're, if you're sitting all day, obviously there's several things you'd be doing. Is there one thing in particular you would throw out right now that they could do to help kind of not strengthen it, but maybe stretch it out, make it feel better? All right, I'm going to curveball you here. If we actually look at research on, on back pain and sitting, you're going to find that the research says that there's no correlation to that between those two. People that sit more aren't more likely to injure their back. So I'm going to put that out there beforehand because I know there's some people out there thinking that, oh, man, I got a best job. I sit eight hours a day, five days a week. Like, I know it's going to happen sooner or later. I'm going to mess my back up. And they create this mindset in their head that, that their back is more fragile because of their job that has them sitting sitting such a low-level activity that, that, dude, it's not destroying anybody's back. Now, do we want to sit all day long and then live, live a sedentary life the other hours of the week? No. So you definitely want to be doing some movement outside of sitting eight hours a day. Now, if you're sitting eight hours a day and that is leading to, you know, you being tight in specific areas and that's not allowing you to get into proper positions when you go to the CrossFit gym or whatever your, your exercise of choice is, then do we want to stretch those? Absolutely. Um, I'm a big believer anytime we, we program some mobility work that we don't just blindly choose mobility work. So it's hard to say, like, if you sit, you need to do this. So I'm going to give you the, the general areas that typically are a little tighter in people that do sit. But um, you can go online and you can search for different mobility tests so that you can kind of test yourself and actually work on stuff you need to. Um, I call that assess, don't guess. Don't just choose random mobility exercises. Choose mobility exercises that target your specific area. So the areas that are typically most tight with people that sit are going to be hamstrings, uh, muscle on the backside of the thigh. Your hip flexors are going to be tight sometimes and thoracic spine. And those are areas that, that a lot of times will impact somebody's ability to get into proper position if they are tight. Is that a circled around enough answer for you? <laughs> no, that's really good. Well, because I was going to ask is like, you know, you go hard on a workout and you kind of leave it all on the floor there, then what? It's kind of like even away from just sitting all day. Like I think of a workout and I see a lot of folks do this is you kind of just walk out of the gym. I know I do that probably a lot. Do you recommend, is there, because there's that myth of like, do you stretch before a lot? Do you stretch after? Do you not stretch? And there's a lot of myths out there. I, I'm just curious, do, is there anything in particular that you would say, you know, you should, you know, use a foam roller. You should do some certain things at least after a workout, or, 
or is that it, it depends on answer? I think post-workout, I definitely probably wouldn't just finish your CrossFit wad and go jump in the car and, you know, drop 15 minutes. I might walk around for five minutes, let your heart rate come down, get a little bit of active movement to help start the recovery process. Um, as far as when to stretch, I think a lot of people overthink that. Um, work on the areas that you need to work on when you have the time. Now, if a workout shows up, so Brian, if you have like really tight shoulders and the workout of the day has a bunch of overhead squats and you know, man, my shoulders get in the way of my overhead squat, that's probably a good time to include some shoulder mobility work prior to exercise. Even though there's some research out there that would show that stretching before a workout is going to lead to you maybe not being as strong. But just because the muscle can't produce more force, if, if you can get into a better position, I think you're going to get more benefit out of spending a little bit of time stretching. Plus, you're going to stretch your shoulders, and then you're going to actually work them really hard into that new range of motion you just opened up. I think that's a more effective way of stretching and improving mobility than to, you know, just stretch at the end of your workout and get in the car and drive home. Anytime we do something to open up a little mobility, I think we need to then go actively use it and express it so that our body can, can try to learn how to save and keep that new mobility. So if you have some gotcha. stuff you need to work on, and, and that is a big component of that day's workout, do it beforehand. If you have specific stuff you need to work on and it doesn't really matter for that day's workout, then just get it in sometime, several days a week. doesn't have to be every day. doesn't have to be 30 minutes. It could be just a couple minutes. Keep it simple. Yeah, well, and, and to that, I guess, and I kind of start off the question in a roundabout way is, um, as well, but what is the, and maybe you can dispel this, similar to the, the article you wrote a while back, but what is the most common myth you generally hear? You have a new client that comes in or maybe, you know, whatever, whether they have experience or not. Is there a big myth that, you know, maybe use this to dispel um, about fitness or physical therapy or anything of that nature? Um, I guess the one that's coming to mind the most right now is that CrossFit is dangerous and that CrossFit's going to get people injured. That's probably the one that just with, with my online presence gets asked to be the most or commented on the most. Um, yeah, just people believe that CrossFit's dangerous or people have said, you know, that, that CrossFit is an orthopedic surgeon's retirement funds, which according to research studies that have looked at the, the injury rates in CrossFit, they're similar to other forms of recreational fitness activity. They're similar to the injury rates we see in, in recreational runners and um, track and field athletes and weightlifters, powerlifters, bodybuilders, et cetera. So that would probably be my big one. And it's far lower than that in people playing football. So if your son's playing football and you're telling people CrossFit is dangerous, you need to reevaluate your parenting skills. Is a joke I like to tell people that they don't really appreciate. <laughs> um, and then I also like to point out that literally people die during doing marathons. And marathons are typically thought of as one of the you know most physical fitness, one of the best physical fitness things you can do is to start running but people die every single year doing marathons, um, which is sad, but we have not seen that you know, happen in CrossFit. So if you think it's okay to run a marathon, then it should be okay to do CrossFit. Well, I think you kind of mentioned it um, earlier. I mean, if you're doing the proper things, right, if your movement's pro if it's not proper, yeah, you probably will get injured, but that's with anything you do, right? Um, you know, if you're not, if you're not actually in the, in the right positions. Um, I, I want to ask you this, this is like a random uh, tangent here, but, um, I had a note down. I want to make sure because this literally just came up. Um, I was working with uh, um, at, at the CrossFit gym, CrossFit RTP that I go to here, and I'll talk with one of the in instructors, uh, Mike. And what is? Can you explain dry needling? 
because um, I think you're certified in that. And I'm curious because I was the first time I heard it because I had some I had some like shoulder tightness and we were talking about it. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, this this is coming up again. Can you just explain the importance of that or why you believe in that? So um, dry needling is a form of manual therapy where we insert a needle into a, a muscle tendon ligament to create an effect on that muscle tendon ligament. And when I say manual therapy, manual therapy is just this broad umbrella term for, for things where a licensed medical provider puts their hands on you to create some sort of effect on tissues. I tend to believe it. So that could be somebody doing a massage. That could be doing joint mobilizations, a joint manipulation and adjustment. Um, that could be something like ART. I tend to personally believe that all manual therapy just creates a, a nervous system relaxation. So if I rub on a muscle, that muscle relaxes a little bit. It's not as tense, and then it can move a little bit better for a temporary amount of time. It is a very temporary change that we get. I believe the same thing with dry needling. All we're doing is we're putting a needle into a muscle to create um, this input that gets a, an area to temporarily relax, to get your brain a little less worried about an area. So there are a lot of people that, that talk incredibly highly about dry needling or grasping or, or whatever that manual therapy is. I believe that they're all just temporary solutions and that the longer term solution is, is proper movement, properly loading those muscles, tendons, ligaments, and applying the proper amount of volume to it. So while I do dry needling and several other forms of manual therapy, it, it is very low on my totem pole of what's important in keeping individuals healthy or getting injured individuals back to moving. To me, they're just a means to get somebody moving a little bit better temporarily so that I can then properly prescribe exercises for them. Okay, good to know. Thank you for explaining I, that. Dude. I don't, that I don't good, think though. it's that special. There are plenty of people that think it's incredibly special. I think it's a fine tool, but, but it's 100% not the answer. Well, so where can, um, is there certain things, and, and again, people should certainly consult a professional like yourself, but if someone wanted to learn more or, or read or figure out different things um, from a, a therapy standpoint or, or in that ballpark, is there certain, um, I don't know, books you read or podcasts you listen to or anything like that where um, you kind of gain some additional knowledge or, or maybe could be educational as well as fun for other people? Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a podcast junkie. And so from a, my favorite podcast is, is one that I'm on regularly, PT on Ice. It's the company I teach for. Um, but it's a continuing education company that just has a lot of excellent instructors um, within the company. And we just put out a, a podcast episode every day. And I learned a ton from that podcast. The Jug Life podcast from the, the Juggernaut Strength Crew is also an excellent podcast to learn a lot from. There are a number of, of like physical therapy journals that have podcasts, like the British Journal of Sports Medicine has one. Um, a lot of podcasts. Um, if you go to my website, I have an article, um, top books for, for rehab professionals, rehab and fitness professionals. It goes through a lot of the books that, that I've read that I thought were valuable to me as a physical therapist and, and somebody in strength and conditioning. And, and so everyone knows that, and I'm going to put all that in the, uh, in the show notes so everyone um, can, can go to those links and stuff. Where can everyone find you online? My website is thebarbellphysio.com. Um, it's the same on Facebook and Instagram. I like to tell people to go to the website, though. So Facebook and Instagram are just like, you know, little snapshots of, of how I think and how I look at movement. Versus my websites where all those little snapshots get put together, put together in bigger pictures. Um, so I tend to say you're better off going to my website to, to learn principles rather than to see random mobility exercises that you'll find on, on my Instagram, for example. 
Yeah, that's great. And I will tell everyone, yeah, because I had done that. And then I went to, I remember going to Instagram. Actually, I, there was a great stretch. I, I had issues with my flexibility for the uh, front squat. And you had a great one with a band. Anyways, I won't go into it, but um, some great stuff on, on Instagram as well as, yeah, a lot of good insight on your uh, website as yeah. well. So, so um, there's, there's a good example. You can go onto my Instagram and you can find that band stretch that you saw for, for the front squat. But you could then go to my website and search for front rack, and you'll find an article where I take you piece by piece through all the things that could limit your front rack so you can, you know, determine is it your wrist or your shoulder or your thoracic spine that's limiting your front rack position and get more specific to what you need to work on rather than taking a random drill from Instagram. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and, and you know, I think a lot of folks that listen, you know, I, I think I probably tell this before, I don't just like randomly blind just ask people to be on here there's you know I, I kind of specifically target and when i came across your stuff the thoroughness that you put into it um that was like i, I got to reach out and have this guy on here so Zach, man i'm i'm uh so appreciative of you spending some time here to uh to talk to me i've learned gosh i've learned so much in this short period of time uh, this is unbelievable so i really appreciate you uh you being on here and uh, spending some time with me Thank you for having me, man, and, and I appreciate you talking about the thoroughness there. I got to say, you obviously spent a lot of time looking into my stuff, which um, is really nice to do. When you've been on a lot of podcasts, you can really tell when somebody takes the time to really prepare, and I really appreciate that from you, Brian. Well, thanks again for everyone for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and as always, um, if you want to find me online, uh, check out my website, uh, brianondraco.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O.com. Also on Instagram and Twitter, at Brian Andreco. Find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, hope to connect with you guys. Um, any questions you have, feedback, please let me know. If you do get a chance and have been enjoying the uh, episodes, um, certainly would love if you left a review on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you listen on. And hope to get a chance to connect with you guys further down the road. Have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll see you soon. Take care.